Hello and welcome to the All-American Maker Podcast. My name is Brendan Hobble, and today my guest is Bryant Hamblin, who is the owner and founder of Hog Doggins. Hog Doggins is a company based around creating high-quality machined metal products for your everyday carry. Today we will be learning a little bit about the background behind Hog Doggins, as well as talking about doing business in this day and age. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you like the episode. So I'm here with my friend Bryant, who is the co-owner of Hog Doggins here in Washington State, and it's been pretty awesome to meet you in person because we uh, kind of interacted a little bit on Instagram, but to actually meet you in person is way better because then it like makes it real, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Whenever you talk to somebody on Instagram, it's like behind the veil you never really know <laughs> yeah is well, it a real person <laughs> and that's how um the other half of me prefers to stay you met him mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't uh, come out from behind the curtain so um yeah yeah it is good to meet everybody kind of uh, with this that went on this year um supposed to be a different uh, well blade show and a few other things there's blade show west and regular blade show mm-hmm. and it was supposed to meet a ton of people so it was really cool to meet you at least get you out here so yeah, yeah. well tell us a little about, bit about your company how you started it and uh even just tell us about yourself like what brings you to washington because i know you're not originally from here yeah um well <laughs> hog doggins started uh uh, Hog Doggins, the name was uh, is, is really old, but um, Hog Doggins really just started out of me and um, my partner Wayne um, connecting because um, I had a project I was working on, and um, I took it to his shop to have done. Mm-hmm. And after talking and kind of hanging out, um, we realized that. Um, we're just really, uh, it'd be really cool if we could just put out some of this shit just because mm-hmm. and uh, not worry about the money. Um, I know a lot of guys, it's legit really hard to get into this game um, because the amount of money you got to put up and the sacrifice of time, it sometimes doesn't, um, doesn't chalk up and you yeah. just got to say, forget it. This is just not something I can do. And I guess that's why I, and Wayne can we can do what we do, and mm-hmm. Hog Doggins is what it is because we really don't give a shit about the money. Mm. Um, I mean, we do, but it's not the drive. Sure, like, the main thing was to just make cool stuff. And oh yeah, you know, um, the reality was it would be it, it was like, do you think you think anyone's gonna want to buy this shit? You know, and if they do, then cool. Then we can make more. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't we stop. And so sure. far everyone just, they keep buying whatever the previous project was and that funds the next project. Mm-hmm. No one's getting rich, but, um, you know, those living, breathing ideas that are in your head that, um, they're, they're alive and they're organic and they can rot and it, you know, we get to get those out. So it's a privilege for us to be able to do it. We don't, you know, I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just getting the ideas out and not mm-hmm. really, you know, not really, we're not really, you know, we're not in it to make, make us rich. Yeah. We got to fund our next project. So money's important, Sure, but it's really just about funding the next project. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know for myself as a creative, as a visionary, like I have probably 25 new ideas every single day. And like you said, without the proper tools, without the things that I need in order to actually make those come to life, they, tens of thousands of ideas in my head have died. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't have the ability to bring them to life. And that sucks because some of yeah. them were probably like, could have been like, I don't know, you know, the, the, the inspiration someone else needed, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Um, there, everything is a catalyst to another thing. So right. that sucks that things, yeah, I don't like to see things die, man. So No, yeah. like these pucks, for instance, this is, I feel like, what has kind of put you guys on the map. Yeah. And the amount of equipment that is needed in order to produce one of these, most people don't realize. It's probably a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment sitting yeah. in his shop that brings this end product to life. And most people can't even imagine spending that much to create a product because the amount of the number of these you'd have to sell to make that money back is astronomical. Yeah. But I know for a fact that it's not the only thing that you guys produce. It's not the only thing that he produces in his shop, right? which allows for this to actually happen. Like, he produces things for, like, I think you said boats and... Uh, the luxury yacht, um, racing yacht industry. Yeah. So, um, you know what, those guys, um, <laughs> uh, they need stuff uh, fast and, and and now, and they pay mm-hmm. for it. So, those guys are the ones we all need to thank. Yeah. Because they're paying the bills, mm-hmm. you know. they um, And these guys, you know, they, they, they pay the way for us to be able to play around with our hobbies and, and, you know, do that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're right. I think that's awesome because like for me, like I, for years have wanted to get a laser. I've wanted to be able to produce infinite amount of ideas in an instant because like if you own uh, equipment like that and you're like, Hey, I have this idea. I don't know how it's going to turn out or even if it's going to be sellable, but since I have the equipment, why don't I make a prototype and see how it goes and something like that, I feel like, could be invaluable as a resource to any business. One of our favorite tools in the shop is the EDM wire. Mm-hmm. And that wire is inspiration for more products and more things than anything. Um, but, and that's exactly it, is that's a pretty specialty machine. Um, it's used for uh, plenty of other applications, but we saw, you know, we see (laughs) the use for it in a creative way. And normally you can't afford to be creative with a machine like that because it's got to pay for itself. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly doing, you know, the stuff that pays bills. Um, So, yeah, it's nice to let those machines, you know, kind of show us what they can do on a creative side. And that's where... Kind of like that. (laughs) Yeah, the yeah, these are um it's really important for these to be cut in the wire um just to get the uh the precise curve on that otherwise you get it's a feel thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of our products are a feel thing. Like you can see and I like I like appreciate how you got some detail of the photos the other day mm. that I feel like it it gives you a picture of the feel of the product. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I feel like our customers 
aren't really a dedicated customer until they actually get it. You know, once they get it, they, they really get it and they go, Oh my God, like there's, there's more to it than what I've seen. Yeah. So, um, I like getting stuff in people's hands cause, um, you can, it, it's always nice to be able to feel quality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's where hog doggins kind of is, uh, different from other companies is we really legitimately did not go after the money. We went after the quality and being able to say that um, we put something out that, well, that's lifetime. Yeah. Like, we, that, that is our guarantee. You know, if, if it ever fails because of, uh, um, you know, craftsmanship or materials, mm-hmm. I, I really won't ask a, a question. I, I will. I'll be like, why? But only because I'm curious. I want to yeah, figure like out how to, how to fix like it. Not have that happen again. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm it, not my you being able to return that to me and replace it hinges on that zero percent. Sure. You, know, you tell me why is just because I want to try to fix it for the next time. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, the machines that are normally used for high end, you know, aerospace stuff like that, or um, it's fun to be able to play with them and mm-hmm. do the creative stuff. So what brought you to Washington? Uh, so back when I was in college, um, I picked up a job. It was a contract where um, I did all of the deliveries uh, in uh, for this one Home Depot. I did all their deliveries and it was, uh, you know, appliances and, and wood, uh, you know, wood packs and things like that, doors, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, it kind of blew up from there. Um, I picked up all of the areas around me at that time. Um, then the company made me their national logistics trainer, and I was their contractor liaison. So um, for nationally for Home Depot, and I went around opening up, Home Depots and hiring contractors for deliveries and um, getting them all set up and trained and everything. It had to have been exciting at the time, like to think, wow, like my career or whatever is going somewhere and in a way that you might not have ever thought. For a kid my age, it (laughs) it was big. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was 22 at the time, 23, wait, let's see, 23, 24, 25 at the time. Yeah, so I was 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And that was the time when Home Depot was kind of really going in every city that, you know, their demographic was like under 40,000 people. If you, you know, they were going to put a Home yeah. Depot there. So I was busy. Um, and it was, it was exciting. Um, and that's what brought me up here. And got to be, as soon as I got here, you know, within days i just i said uh i called my wife and i said we're done um sell the house we're, mm-hmm. we're moving and she came up and she goes yeah we are and we moved mm-hmm. and um ever since then we've been up here um we just uh it's gorgeous like we're looking up, right over the water right now <laughs> yeah no and 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 this is exactly what it's all about is the, you know that water and the view and you know, the people, I don't know. It's something about up here that once you come up, you go, yeah, I don't need to go anywhere else. I'm good. And for Home Depot, I traveled. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went 
36 states spent more than a couple weeks in each one. And I know I was there for work, but boy, I'll tell you, you get a good, uh, you feel like you made an educated decision. Oh, I I bet. (laughs) I feel like I made an educated choice. Mm -hmm. So I'm good. I'm good. I I don't think we'll ever be anywhere else. So Yeah, I mean, for myself, after being here in Washington and I'm going down to Oregon after this, the only two states I haven't been to after that will be Alaska and Hawaii. And for me, it's like, there's very few places that I've been to, like the Pacific Northwest, where it's just like every turn that where you're driving, you're like, wow. <laughs> well, that's rough because Alaska and Hawaii, are, they are very, very beautiful as well. So I feel I sorry for you because <laughs> you have two of the most beautiful, um, uh, you oh, know, yeah. a, a close second and third behind Washington, in my opinion. So, <laughs> you know, you've got, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how we ended up up here and we don't, everyone that comes up, but we have to remind them it rains all the time Mm -hmm. because if I didn't, they'd stay and they'd see that it doesn't rain all the time. (laughs) 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 So, yeah. Well, that's the perception by a lot of people is, oh, it's always rainy and like, cause everyone thinks of Seattle. It rains all the time. Yeah. I'm not going to tell anyone any any other way. <laughs> yeah, uh, where we are actually, we li- we're in a bit of a rain shadow. I did my research before I came up, and what it is is where specifically this this area. Uh, for every mile you get, uh, for every mile you go west or sorry east from here, mm-hmm. you gain an inch of rain a year. Hmm. So from here to um, Burlington. 30 miles mm-hmm. or you know 20 miles it's going to be an additional 20 inches of rain by the time yeah, per year yeah so you know there's um you know there's different um little geographical anomalies in just about every area every state you go to if you research them enough and you and you you, you constantly hear oh it always rains you're gonna find a place it doesn't always rain it doesn't always oh rain. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. We that's don't like, have any autonomous zones here, though, and that's good. Except <laughs> <laughs> we're far north north from that, that we don't mm-hmm. have to mess with the politics of it. But yeah, yeah, I feel like up here you wouldn't really ever deal with that. <laughs> no, it's um, super friendly. Um, we've had recently had people be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, but the climate there is far as politically and nah, that's." It's pretty much every city. Yeah, that's everywhere I go, like New York City and New York, or Chicago and Illinois, or Atlanta and Georgia, or wherever you go, the entire rest of the state is like, if we just got rid of that city, (laughs) there's like a hot spot, right? Yeah. Well, it's where everyone who doesn't like guns and doesn't like good country living lives. (laughs) Well, we're we're super glad to be where we are, and 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 live in the community we have because the community here is really diverse and mm-hmm. we don't have any of that. We, the, the, um, it seems like there's a much open, more open forum to opinion and, um, and you know, other people's opinions without, without, uh, judgment. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. We don't, um, there's heated discussions that I've seen take place, but you know, they always end in a, it seems like a uh, 
where both parties are more educated in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's always a plus. So yeah. I feel like um, it's a good thing what's what's going on and everyone needs to talk about it. I just really hope that they can talk about it. So Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people who aren't willing to talk about it. Yeah, and just talk. The key is having the discussion without preconceived notions or understandings mm. and actually gleaning information or being open to a different opinion without having the idea that, okay, whatever is not my opinion must be changed. Right. Because at the end of the day, people can live their life however the heck they want. I don't care. As it's long a, it's as a it's live not and let live kind of situation, yeah, right? It's, as long as it's not like opposing me or oppressing me or the people that I love. Yeah. Like, you know, however you live your life on your own yeah. is fine. Yeah. And the problem is a lot of people, whether it's in history or now, feel like, okay, if you have a different opinion than I have or a different lifestyle than I have or a different religion than I have, well, then you're wrong. Yeah. And that idea is toxic. That's what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That we ha- Yeah. That's America or the United States, I would, should say, because the Americas is yeah. a whole couple continents. Um, uh, it originally was founded on the fact that, okay, we're being oppressed and forced to believe a certain way, so we're going to revolt because we want to have the freedom of religion and the freedom to live life the way we feel is right. And it's almost coming full circle back to, okay, we're being fo- like forced to think a certain way or else we're wrong or bad or we're not good to be around or whatever, whatever people think it is. It's almost like, okay, if you don't believe in a certain uh, lifestyle or, or support a certain way of life, or maybe if you're white and <laughs> you know, you automatically get labeled as racist without even having, like I said, a conversation about whether well, or not that's even what you believe. And people, that's a problem. <laughs> people don't understand um, the experiences of others. Yeah, they can assume a lot. Um, but for example, like I've actually been through a scenario where I was told, I'm sorry, you are not afforded protection under our laws because you are not of a protected class. You know why? Why? Because I'm not, a, I'm not, think of all the protected classes. Mm-hmm. It's everyone who's not white. I'm not a protected class. Yeah. I stuck my neck out for a guy that worked with me, an older gentleman who hurt himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stuck my neck out and the company that I worked for didn't like it because it was a workers' compensation issue. And uh, so they didn't like what I had to say about it, and uh, they fired me. Hmm. And um, they can't do that. It's against the law. It's right. They can't fire me over um, trying to allow someone help through the workers' compensation fund. Right. And they fired me, and I took them to court. And that's what the judge said. I'm sorry, but we can't afford you protection because you're not of a protected class. So talk about racism. I personally understand like when people say these things and, 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 you know, um, 
you can't judge you don't judge don't judge people you know you you might think you know them but you really truly don't know their struggle you don't know where they've been you don't know where they've gone you don't know where they're going and um to label them and um, that's just that's it, that that's the injustice mm-hmm. you know is that people that the the prejudgment that goes on um so rampantly you know that that's that's the that's you know everyone was if there was and it's hard like mm-hmm. How do you not go through life not judging things? We have to judge right. every single situation and and scenario that we come across. You know, we have to. <laughs> if you don't judge it, then you can. Yeah. Yeah, that's life and death, right? So it is what it is. But uh, I'm 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 very glad that I've gone through those things mm-hmm. because I'm in a situation now where I can go. I know what it feels like to be an unprotected class. I know yeah. I've been told that flat out. And then, and then to feel it and then, and and then go, and then also the understanding of zero recourse, you got nothing, you know, that's them saying to you, sorry, what happens happens. And I, and I did, I, I didn't, there was, there was no recourse. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but I mean, to kind of like close out that whole concept <laughs> yeah <laughs> for me i feel like it's okay to recognize someone's differences without the idea or understanding that you're trying to oppress them because of their differences mm-hmm. that's what racism truly is is the fact that you're recognizing that someone's different and defining them by the fact that they look or live differently than you do right and uh, they're in the maker realm. It's really easy to, you know, become chums with everybody who's like you. But the reality is makers are makers. People who create things are just people. Everyone is the same. Everyone comes with like, I kind of like not knowing, like see people know me now. Sure. They didn't know before. (laughs) Right. No one, it wasn't, that's not what it's about. It's about Mm -hmm. what we put out as, as as makers. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care how you worship. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care who you love that. None of those things matter because the end result is as a maker, right? What do you put out? What do you put out there? The quality of your work and your character. Yeah, it's like, this is what I put out. Well, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Beyond that, it doesn't, me personally. And that's how I, sure. I used to always feel. Is like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter who I am. Yeah. It doesn't matter me and Wayne, you know. It doesn't matter who we are. Mm-hmm. It matters what we put out. Right. Um, but I guess it kind of matters who we are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the struggle matters. You know, that's, you know, the, the wisdom that we earn along the way. You know, um, so thank you for us being able to share our story because we've never considered it important enough to share. Oh, definitely. It was, eh. I think everyone's story is important to tell. (laughs) Um, I mean, you've heard of Odin, Odin Leathergoods. I love that guy. Like, I don't know of anyone. And I I showed you the other day. I have one of his original, um, the baseball glove wallets. Yeah. And I still carry that thing. I don't know anyone who works harder, honestly. Uh, I yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Um, he busts his ass. He he gets to where he's at, and then and I'm super stoked. I'm watching him like open brick and mortar, and I'm oh, like, yeah. hell yeah! I'm like, that's a nice joint, right? Like, I want to go visit, right? <laughs> so I, and and I'm like, man, that's really cool. And you you go, 
And then all of a sudden, the, all this went down. COVID and, shutdown. And I swear to you, he's like the only guy I'm like constantly like, you know, I really hope everything's good with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope because that's a really re- grand opening. I swear to God was like March. I want to say 21st or something like that. Literally when the shutdown happened. Literally. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. Love his, love his work. Love his, mm-hmm. his shop. Love his... Um, I, and 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 see, he's a maker that stuck his neck out to a to a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of us were watching, kind of going, "Well, how is this going to work out?" Well, none of us actually get to know now, like how it actually would have, you know, would have worked out. And obviously, we all hope him, yeah. uh, you know, well. Um, I think he's back open now, though. He is, um, and he looks like he's doing good. Um, I think he'll be just fine. He does a lot of online stuff. Yeah. So I know for a fact that, like, other companies I work with, like Bison Union, the only reason they've made it through all of this is because of their online presence. Ah. Uh, You get a good following online, and it doesn't really matter how well you do in person. Yeah. As long as your online presence is continuing to grow and you're able to continue your sales, right. uh, everything should be fine. Right. Like obviously, you take a hit. Everyone's going to take a hit. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't put you out of business. It doesn't close up your shop. Yeah. And I, I think Odin, he works so hard to the point where uh, online he's doing pretty well. And I think he also does a lot of like wholesale custom stuff too. Mm. So, and he's starting to sell templates and different things. So he's diversified his portfolio of options for people to purchase really well. And that's, what's going to define you as a successful business is the fact that you're not putting all your stock into one thing, but rather diversifying what you offer. So no matter who you are, when you come to the table, you have something that they your customer wants right yeah yeah it's tough and, and mm-hmm. these guys watching these guys reinvent right now is kind of crazy too um well in history that is what has defined successful businesses um everyone's heard of 7-eleven oh yeah uh the reason they started and became a nationally known chain was the fact that they were one of the original stores that started using Freon in refrigerators. Oh, are you serious? Instead wow. of instead of ice blocks from the Arctic. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like that's pretty so cool. that's what well, brought them I don't out. Know, of, it, you know, they're depleting the ice from the air, and then they throw the Freon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> <for> like <laughs> that's a huge that's thing that happened out of I think the Great Depression. Okay. was the fact that that ingenuity, it forced them to do something different than anyone had ever thought of before. Right. And it defined them as a business that has made them successful. That's, and that. that's what's going to happen out of this. There's going to be so many businesses that were like, we were on this one path. We thought it was going to go great. <laughs> and then this happened. 2020. And it see. really forced us to think, okay, what are we going to do to change? Yeah. And for a lot of people, it... The, either the lack of business or the extra time on their hands afforded them the ability to actually work on their business and not just in their business. Oh, okay. For me, that's what really helped me to grow in this last couple months is the fact that I, was, I had so much time on my hands. I wasn't traveling and working. 
I was sitting in my shop thinking <laughs> and right. for me, it was like, okay, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my house payment? All of those things. And it was like, okay, I'm going to change what I do, change it up, offer more things. Uh, I'm going to, as soon as I can, I'm going to travel. I've got a bison union has me come out to Wyoming now. And all of those things came out of the fact that, okay, we got to change up what we're doing so yeah. that, my businesses can succeed because without switching things up or offering new things or changing your business model to the point where you're more diversified, you're never going to succeed through something like a pandemic. Right. And for a lot of people, they're like trying to be recession proof, Mm. but who's pandemic proof, (laughs) you know, and that's a whole nother level. I don't, no one, (laughs) I don't, well, no one, no one. No business we know has been through that we know, and I mean that person, like on a personal. No right. one we know has been through a pandemic. No, I can't think of anyone I can go to and be like, "Yo, so uh, the pandemic of '62." It was whatever. more like the pandemic of nineteen mean. something. <laughs> you can't, we can't we can't draw on those those old school resources, you know, the the, the experience resources of, of someone that's gone through it before. Right. Um Yeah. So all we can do is really just uh, <laughs> you know, the only way through something mm-hmm. is through it. Yeah. You just you just got to go through it, right? Um, so we're going through it. It is what it is. Yeah. It's, it doesn't stink all that bad. <laughs> it, it sucks a little bit, but you know, for like Wayne and I, right? We mm-hmm. it can kill business, and and agreed. If we don't if we don't have a, the the success of the previous product to push us through to the next one, to the next mm-hmm. one, to the next one, there's there there probably would be a day where we would die. Yeah. But in the in in the true sense of how businesses run and work, we 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 shouldn't be going. You know, we're doing this because it would like legit. And, and 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 there's like a couple companies that we'll still do stuff with. And fortunately, those guys are pandemic proof. So yeah. we're that's where it's like. Well, we're still able to do it because those guys have already set themselves. We didn't change mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, really. You know. Um, but the guys that we work with did and absolutely had to. Sure. So um super grateful to those guys. So for me, I've diversified myself in many areas. I own a candle business called Made Candles where I create custom candles and other wax-based products for companies all over the U.S. And then I started my own personal brand called Made Quality Supply where it's all 100% American-made products that are for people who love the outdoors. Mm. And then I have my media business, which is Made Custom Media, where I do a lot of commercial product photography, uh, photography and promotional films for companies. And then I have the All-American Maker, which has until now really been defined more as a podcast, but I want to diversify it to where it's more of a, a cultural thing that people connect with. So it's a right. podcast. It's a brand made for makers right it's going to be a youtube channel it's going to be hopefully eventually a docuseries highlighting makers all over and then one of the things i have in the pipeline right now is a online course website called maker university where anyone who wants to actually learn about 
how to become a maker in a certain area, whether it's a woodworker or a metal worker or a leather smith or a knife maker or a candle maker, whatever it is, I'm going to be partnering with other makers who are, you know, top of their field in those areas yeah. and recording full online courses, literally everything, not just like, here's how to make a candle, can which it, you can find on YouTube. Secrets. Yeah. Nice. But for me, like as a candle maker, I'm going to share, here's where I source every single one of my products wow. and the best price. And here's how to do your taxes. You're going to give it away. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give it away because the course is going to cost about five to eight hundred dollars. But it's so a lifetime it access. Yeah, you're still giving it away. Oh yeah. Wow. But it's lifetime access. Like my course is going to be about fifty videos. Um, I'm partnering with a guy, uh, Jeremy Hill. He owns a company called Jericho Home in Georgia. Okay. He's a woodworker. And he does full like kitchen remodels, bathrooms, stuff like that. But he also builds these intricate, incredible like dining room tables yeah. that go for thousands of dollars. And he's going to teach an entire online course on how to start a woodworking business because he probably gets thousands of inquiries through Instagram a year on how do you source your wood? How do you do this? How do you do that? And he even uh, has been asked to speak at BenchCon or to speak at BenchCon, which is like a conference for people who do woodworking and other maker related things. And he wants to be able to share that there. The course is going to be 800 to a thousand dollars and it's going to have probably That's crazy. Yeah. We want to make it affordable that is dirt cheap because people who want to start their own business and actually p provide for their family, they can't afford five grand, 10 grand to go to school to learn how to do business. We want to, I want to be able to put something in people's hands that is a resource where you could watch a, a five or 10 minute video once a day. See how much money people waste learning that shit. Oh, yeah. Just finding a source. Yeah. Figuring it out. Like, we're going through materials. I think we lost probably a, at least two or 3000 bucks on trying to source laser companies for different work. Oh, just in my, just that. In like my here, candle send business? Send them samples. Yeah. Here's samples that you never get back, mm -hmm. that you spent time, you know, that you, and... So for you to give up sources and, and best prices, that's... um. You can't, that's, yeah, that's rough. I'm kind of well, looking at it your cross-eyed right now because it's like, what the, why, I mean. It depends on what area you work in. Yeah. So like for yourself, I wouldn't ask you to give all that away. But for it's me not, as a candle maker, there's probably 10,000 people well, out fortunately there. Fortunately for candles. me, most of my value comes in the design, Yeah. right? I mean, a lot of guys can go out and, and, and get on a mill and they can look at my design and, the reality is, is you just got to be a good machinist to make what, what mm -hmm. I make. And that's why there's Wayne. Yeah. He's a fantastic machinist. He's hands. He is the wizard behind the curtain. Right. Mm -hmm. So like on, on my end, the only thing I could give you is sourcing. But the reality is, is, um, that's probably like eight, maybe at the very, very most like $8 worth of raw aluminum. Yeah. Right. So like if I give you a different source on that and I, let's just say I save you 50% on a source, is that really that big of a deal? $4? Well, I guess maybe down the line, 
It could be, mm-hmm. but the reality is it's not going to break you right now, right? So no. I can't, in, in my side, I can't give you like an advantage. I can't say, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to start a, I guess the, these would be technically like curios or, you know, I don't know, right? EDC, sure. If you want to start EDC on Hog Doggin's side, it's, it's like I could, sh- um, it's really in the machine and you'd have to sit down with um, Wayne and learn 40 years of, you know, don't turn the knob this way. Right. Or, you know, just little things that he, you know, that's the stuff. So that's crazy that um, that's pretty invaluable what you're doing with that. And those courses, that's super invaluable. The, the, not, the, the, the amount of money you can save someone just in mistakes mm-hmm. is you can't quantify that. Well, because the reality for me is, yes, I want to make a profit off of doing this. And I want to be able to, whoever I partner with on each course, they're going to make a percentage of that, of every single person that purchases that course. But like the reality is bonuses for extra secrets. (laughs) I'm telling you, there's makers I have in my head. I'm thinking you should, you know, I'm I'm like, I want to know their secrets and I would pay not because I want to become a maker of that sort of material or whatever, Mm -hmm. just because I, I, I like the maker and I want to know his secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, like after this pandemic, there's going to be so many people who are out of a job who are like, I can buy a saw and try to make a table. And it might literally be the difference between them keeping their house and not keeping their house. I think I'm super glad you're doing it because at least at that point, they're getting educated and they're learning how to do it the right way. They're not putting out things that they wouldn't want to put out. You know what right. I mean? And they're putting out and, half-assed products just just to try yeah. to make ends meet, right? Well, put out a, a, a fully finished product that people are going to come back and buy again and again. That's even, you know, that's... Well, and these courses aren't going to be like, here's how to start from, from start to finish, make a table. You can find that on YouTube anywhere. Right. The, the This is, now you've got your table made. <laughs> the valuable information <laughs> is, okay, how much did it cost you to make that table? How many hours did it take you to make that table? Uh, how much profit should you be making off that table? And how much is someone actually willing to spend on that table? Do you know, and then that brings up to, a good point. What is the hardest thing for a, a maker to do? Price his own price shit. out their own stuff. Yeah. That's the hardest thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. Cause nine times out of 10, when I go to price something, I price it. So I, I, I'm not making anything on it because right. I don't feel like it's fair. Like, let's just, let's get into it. This $250 and people mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, it's $250. How do you justify that? Right. And the only thing I can ever tell anyone is there are, in every one of these, there's more than 15 hours of hand finish time and hand hand working. That's, that's after it comes out of the machine. Right. That no one else has around us. You know, it's an EDM wire, right? So it's like proprietary kind of, you know. So it's hard for me to go... Well, actually, at the at the two fifty, I, I make twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't tell anyone that. Sure, right? Because it's none of their business. Except just now. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well. That being said, it's like it's that's not what it's about for me. Right. I want you to have it. I want to price it where you can get it. Sure. But I need to price it where I can keep making them. Oh yeah. You know because. It would be dumb to price it at cost and then figure out 
like three months right. down the road. Oh, I'm going out of business because I didn't actually yeah. make any money. Because that's the other part <laughs> that people don't understand is they, they sometimes they get onto a, a product that they like and then they, they see how much it costs mm-hmm. and they're like, screw that. I can't afford that or that's too much or it doesn't matter why they don't. Right. And then that product goes away and that maker's no longer around and those ideas are dead. They're just rotten, you know, organic things mm-hmm. in that guy's head. You're never going to get them out again. And that's the, that's the loss. That's the true loss. Mm-hmm. So being able to teach them well, where to price it so you can keep going. <laughs> what it comes awesome. down to is what you said before. There's a lifetime guarantee on these. Mm. And that's something that people don't quite get the concept of anymore is the they fact used that to. like buying something that will last you your entire life. Like if it, yeah, everything is disposable now. Everything. Everything. Like even this cup, which should last me my entire life. But it won't. There's the potential that lid could warp because of heat or or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Oh, I've already broken a couple of these. Right. But the cup itself will last me my entire yeah. life. But no one really gets that when they're looking at something like this. They're like, you know, a hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, nice and all, but geez, it's a hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> Honestly, like back in the day, everything was made. There was there was pride in making something of quality of substance that lasted you for a lifetime. Absolutely, and that was literally everything: cars, houses, and to the best of their knowledge at that time. Yeah, and we've kind of lost that. And so when people look at something like this or something like these, and they're like two hundred and fifty dollars, what? Well, that thing will be around after you're dead. Yeah, literally, (laughs) And, and so. To understand, okay, let's buy less things yes. at a higher price by someone who's put their blood, sweat, and tears into it so that we actually, over time, spend less money on less stuff, but each individual product costs more because it's made so. in supporting someone who is local or in your region, say, and it's made out of materials from your country, whatever that looks like. And you're paying for a quality work that will be around long after you are. Our guarantee is uh, we'll replace anything, no questions asked, if, if, if you know, it's a, uh, a craftsmanship or a materials issue. Mm-hmm. Um, of uh, the thousands, literally thousands of pieces that we've sent out in the you know, four or five years we've been around, I've had one come back mm-hmm. um, and it was a failed bearing on a spinner back in those days. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's it. Um, so um, I stand by that guarantee because it's easy to stand by. Mm-hmm. It's real easy for me to say that like some, you know, and they, it's kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, but do you lose money? No, I don't lose anything. I've never had to replace anything. Yeah. I've never had to. So, um, our, 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 we, we live by that, you know, uh, yeah. we make it once you buy it once you, you shouldn't have to buy that again. No. Like, and I mean, what? even like, in like leather wallets, for instance, the only reason anyone will ever buy a second or a new wallet is because of the fact that maybe yours has a bunch of dings in it and you want it to look pretty on Instagram not because it wore out. No, it's still going to work. It just might not look pretty on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so like, a craft and lore. They make quality products. There's a, thousands of leather workers now that are learning the trade of leather craft and they're making products that literally will last a lifetime. Yep. It might not look pretty after 
10 years, <laughs> yeah. but they're still going to be functional. Yeah. And that's the key to realize is, okay, like my grandpa, he wears the same pants he wore probably 30 years ago. And I, I'm not I, joking. Like his closet is full of clothes that probably haven't been purchased in the last two or three decades. Um, I'm really, really big on, um, well, I, I buy Brave Star jeans. Um, and I, I buy real denim jeans for mm-hmm. that reason too. As a, um, my last set of denim jeans that I had lasted me 11 years. Yeah. I wore three pair of jeans for 11 years. Um, uh, the pair of boots that I'm wearing right now I've had for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I'm set to get <laughs> my next pair of boots. And I swear to God, Brendan, I will die in those boots. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, I'm 43 now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I get 30 years out of those boots, which I fully expect to, chances are I'm dying in those boots. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, um, you can't, there, can't do, put a price you, on that. Do you have, really. do, is your, your father's still around, right? Yep. My dad's still around too. Is there something to your dad's that you're like, he's had, this is, uh, this is the thing I remember that. Is there something that he, that you're like, I want that when my dad goes, I have, that's, that's, he's had that like a personal item. Does he carry anything or does he have anything or, or is there anything that I don't, I mean, not off the top of my head, but I know there are some things he's had as long as I can remember. Yeah, it has this stupid change pouch. Well, I have some stuff of my great grandpa's that is probably older than, I mean, I know it's older than my dad and it still works. Like I have an old clock. Know. It's like this big and I have a barometer that's, Probably 60 years old. Like my boys should get something from me that mm-hmm. they can pass down to their boys. Yeah. Um, you know, and so on. Like it, 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 it used to be pocket watches and things like that. Uh, exactly. My, my dad has my grandfather's pocket watch. Yeah. Um, uh, I have my great grandfather's shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certain things that have just been passed down. We lost that, like where somewhere in the eighties when things got all fucked up. I mean, like where did it go that, yeah. that we all decided that it was okay to have to buy three pair of shoes a year, right. or to buy you know uh, a whole new wardrobe every single year you go to school? Yeah, it's like what my kids and I get it if they grew because I got three kids, they grow out of stuff, right? I'm mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but. It just, you're right. It's a throwaway culture. Where the hell did it come from? And, and how, how do we change it back? That's where, <laughs> how do we change well, that back? It comes from good parenting <laughs> and uh, teaching future generations the importance of quality work and, you know, having a good work ethic, which is something that is also dying. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where, like, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of people can really start I don't know. I think there was a disconnect between um, two cultures for a while. There was the environmentalists that were, you know, firmly set in sustainability. Um, that almost seemed like they were communist in their uh, need for change. And mm-hmm. I get it because it is urgent. So some of their behaviors is, all right, it's justified, whatever. Okay. So, yeah. but then there was this other side of the culture that kind of, um, not really butted heads with that, but just didn't get it, mm-hmm. right? And I'm really just hoping that, it, that the little two sides are like, look, we do have to consume things. We exist. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we have to. 
let's just do it in a responsible way. Yeah. Where we don't actually throw that shit away mm-hmm. constantly, you know? Shoes, for example. Like, shoes really bug me. You know, it's like, what are they but, like, synthetic material? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to a shoe if you, you know, what's going to happen to that? It, 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 it goes in a landfill and it won't break down for, like, 300 years. Never, right? Yeah. <laughs> my leather boot, you know, is going to do me good on my, on, on, on my foot for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then when that boot's done, it's going to go right back to the earth, right? It's leather, yeah. it's a leather boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. So this is a new watch band? Yeah, I asked him, yeah, but for me, it's the Ghost Black. It's this, uh, I don't know what they're calling it. I think maybe like Ghost Black Cherry or something, but mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Craft and Lore makes some quality products. I haven't actually had any in my hand, but I've seen a lot of them. No. <laughs> uh, I'd have to show, I've got a lot of their stuff. Uh, there's the double wrap cuff. I just, uh, bought, I just bought the uh, mountain belt for my son. Okay, um, yeah. So that's going to be his belt he'll wear for the next 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I wear it as well. Um, honestly, those guys are super really good guys. I really like Craft and Lore. Um, yeah, I reached out. Uh, I'll be driving back through Idaho, but I guess they won't be in their shop when I drive through. Really? But there's always next time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I'll have to give them a call. They're... Uh, yeah, Chad Miles. I met Chad, or actually, I met Miles um, five years ago when he was mm-hmm. here doing a, a show. Okay. Um, so that's how he and I kind of met up. Um, yeah, five years ago. Um, yeah, just down at his show booth mm-hmm. and liked his stuff and hung out and chit chatted with him and yeah, um, believe we had some beers after. Um, but yeah, it was that's the relationships. Those guys are doing my boots for me. I told you about yeah. my boots. So they, they, um, I bought a pair of TAS boots from them. They, he, he reached out to me. We'd talked about, you know, throw, thrown out the fact that I've been wearing a pair of green Danners for, you know, 10, 12, well, 12 years. And he, uh, he was like, I think I can do that for you. And I, you know, and I just mentioned it to him. That's all I did is I just mentioned it to him. So he ended up going to um, um, he ended up going to Nick's leather and, and Nick's boots, and they they said, well, the only green that we can you know you have to source the green. He sources the green to this this uh, belt company, mm-hmm. the belt company. Well, it's our or to, I'm sorry to Wicket and Craig, and Wicket Craig's like, well, that's a proprietary color for just this belt company. You're gonna have to ask them for permission. He goes mm-hmm. to the belt company. The belt company says, "Yeah, you got to buy this sheet, and then we got to whole send hide it. side, yeah, <laughs> and then you got to send it back to Wicket and Craig, yeah, and they've got to split it so it's boot thickness, and then they got to send it over back out to Nick's, and then the guys at Nick's have to coordinate a full on custom build, mm-hmm. and then so as far as like, I mean, he went way, 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 way beyond." And, and, and that's the kind of relationship like, like that we have, like he can mm-hmm. call me up and he can be like, Hey, I kind of was thinking this and can you help yeah. me out? Uh, send him a new design on something. And you know, it's a, it's a scratch mind scratchers for, to, to get prototyping done mm-hmm. for what he gets. 
He's, he can't get it anywhere else. He, he knows that. And for me to get some of the things that I get from them, I can't ever get that anywhere else. And right. I know that. But the benefits of that relationship are, are um, pretty vast. You know, in the, 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 you know, my back scratches a lot. So he scratches my back a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to return the favor. And those guys are really good about that. So I can't say enough about those two dudes. Uh, Miles and, and, and Chad are just great people. Yeah. 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 That was, <laughs> it's embarrassing to what lengths they went on those boots. It really is. Um, well, yeah. you will wear them proudly. <laughs> I will. I will. Absolutely. I will. Yeah. And along the same lines of the whole longevity and like a lifetime uh, quality, I really think as far as businesses go, the whole concept of, building over time and not seeing immediate instant gratification for your business growing is something that a lot of people have a really hard time with. That's why they say most businesses in the first two years fail. Well, then you need to quit telling stories like your success story of, you know, you started making a good chunk of money the first 30 days you were doing your candles. Well, it's because I worked my ass off. You did. (laughs) That's the stories that people think that they can. And and I don't mean to be, I don't want to be like pessimistic about it, but that's not the norm. Well, let me set the record straight. (laughs) (laughs) That was November and December, right before Christmas. So? So those are like the most hot times for buying candles out of the entire year. That's also one of the hot times everyone's attention's being grabbed in marketing. How did you get the marketing done? Because I got in front of their face. Yeah. Like, I literally, I did a bunch of trade shows. I set up in the mall. I went around to... You were willing to put forth that embarrassing work, too. Mm -hmm. Let's just be, let's be forthright about it, because a lot of people aren't willing to do the embarrassing work. Right. Like, throw up a pop-up and sit out in front of people at a show Mm -hmm. and, and ask them to come over and look at your shit. Yeah. You know, most people won't do that. So the guys that are going out there and they're throwing down like I'm going to get I'm going to be in, I'm going to be an Insta maker. They throw down a page, they throw down a website mm-hmm. and they think they're golden. Well, and the problem with that and I've addressed this before is the fact that if your only source of reaching out to customers is online, you're literally in competition. Like if you're in Leathercraft, you're in competition with over 5,000 leather workers. And they're all pretty good. There's a lot of really good ones that. out there that there's a lot of, <laughs> are probably going to blow you out of the water. If you're yeah. just starting now, you have no chance. Right? And so what I would say is, you know, reach out locally. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, there's so much competition on Instagram." But in your local town, you literally might be the only person making what you make. And so to think about it that way, when I started my candle business, the only other candle business had been around for forever, and they made their candles out of paraffin wax with a ton of dye. It was like Yankee Candle 2.0, and they were disgusting. And everybody knew it. And so I trademarked quote unquote, I, I made my name by the fact that I was like, everything's made out of soy wax, essential oil blends and cotton wicks, like lead free wicks, which means that this thing is completely safe for your kids, for your pets, everybody. And they weren't like cheap because they're all natural, but I sold so many of them because people were like, I need to get these. They smell amazing. Like I kind of go over the top with the amount of fragrance I put in them sometimes, but it's not going to hurt you. And people would be like, oh, I just left it on my windowsill. I didn't even light it. And it made my whole house (laughs) smell really good. Nice. And 
like the word got out. And so like I was in probably five different pharmacies around town. Oh, nice. I was in uh, a couple farm stands. I did trade shows. I started doing custom work. I make uh, through made candles. I do custom candles that actually mimic the fragrances of beers from multiple different breweries. Oh, that's funny. So I would smell the beer, uh. and then I would, <laughs> I would actually make a candle that smelled very close to that fragrance, and it sold like hotcakes wow, because cool. I would actually get the tap handle design yeah. from the company and make the label ma- match the beer. Oh, so when awesome. someone saw it, they were like, that's my favorite beer. I got to have that candle. Yep. And so it really took off because I was thinking in multiple different ways. When I first started my candle business, I was actually making them in glass containers with laser engraved wooden lids uh, that like where I live, it's a huge tourist town. It's called Chautauqua Lake. And I had the lake engraved on top and it said Chautauqua Lake, New York. And I sold 500 of those at $20 each. Yeah, Yeah. And so... Just thinking outside the box of like, okay, I'm not just making a wallet. First of all, leather craft and leather workers everywhere need to diversify beyond wallets because honestly, I don't carry one anymore. I don't use a wallet. Apple Pay Uh, is huge. Like, why would I carry a wallet with me and bulk up my pockets when I don't even need it? And I leave I my think about that. I leave my ID in my car because when am I using my driver's license other than when, when I driving. drive? And so to you like, mean you don't get carded anymore for beer? No, not where really? I live. They know who I am. Um, <laughs> I make them card me. I'm like, no, no, no. You need my ID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like diversifying beyond just wallets. For instance, you know, making phone cases or thinking like, what can I make that no one else is making? And that might take you a long time to figure out. (laughs) But once you do find that one product that no one else is making, (laughs) then you you could literally go gangbusters because everyone will freak out because no one else is making that product. Obviously, there are going to be people who try to rip you off or rip off your design, but if you've got a head start and you actually put the work in, you will succeed because you're going to be the one pioneering that design. Some or that people product. get real, they get real upset about that whole, you know, stealing of designs. And I get it because they are stealing the person, oh, maker, the maker's time and money and everything else. Mm-hmm. In my experience, we had, we had one of our designs completely ripped off multiple times. In fact, we had one reverse engineered from a photo and they put it out before I did. What? Legit. Like, I didn't even release it to public yet. I uh-huh. only had two prototypes, posted pictures of the prototype. They stole the picture, reverse engineered it from the picture, and sold them before I did. Hmm. So I, I get that. And it's a double-edged sword because it's almost the driving force behind the, the want and the, and, the, and the desire for your product because you then become the original. Right. And people start to seek you out as the original. So, and that's um, the problem with putting all your eggs in Instagram. Bam. Because if you're putting all of your designs out for the world to see, someone somewhere is going to rip it off. Yep. Yep. Whereas if you're local and you're like, all of my customers are local, I have a personal connection with them, a relationship that I'm building with them. Like if Johnny down the road needs a belt, who's he going to come to? Or if he needs a puck 
and he buys one and he's like, the craftsmanship of this thing is amazing. Who do you think he's going to go to for his fidget spinner or whatever? Right. Like if he has an idea, he's going to come to you. Right. Not Joe Blow on Instagram in New York. In New York. <laughs> you or know. Florida or Germany. Right. Or China. You never know where they're from. Building yeah. that personal face-to-face relationship is huge. And that's why for me, this podcast is more about building a personal relationship in person than just calling someone up on the phone. Like I did during COVID, I did do a bunch of uh, podcast recordings over the phone that I haven't even released all of them yet. But for me, every chance I get, I'm going to drive to someone and I'm going to actually sit across the table from them and have a conversation because it means more to me to do that and spend all that gas and all that time getting to them than it does just to be like, well, I don't know what you look like where you are, <laughs> I'm just right. going to call you up and have a conversation. And it's like, well, there's like zero true friendship or connection there outside of text messages on Instagram. Right. <laughs> and that yeah. can only go so far. And then eventually it's like, okay, I want to meet this person and actually have a conversation, maybe grab a beer or a coffee or whatever. I think a lot of us as makers are introverts that way anyway, too. And we don't Mm -hmm. want to show our faces or our mugs for everyone to see. It's not, uh, we don't feel like it's important for you to connect with us. We just don't. You're not buying me. You're buying my product. And I've been proven wrong in that arena as, as of, uh, late. Mm -hmm. Um, people do give a shit about, you know, who they're buying it from. They do want to know that story. Um, they want to be able to connect with them because it makes that piece that much more significant to them. So um, it sucks. I know I'm going to lose a lot of sales over it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, let them connect. Um, let them let them see you're just the same. You put your shoes on mm-hmm. one one at a time, just like anyone else. So well, know. and especially as. A- in for makers who live in oversaturated markets like leathercraft or maybe candle making or whatever it is. Yeah. What sets you apart is your personal story to have, especially in leathercraft where a wallet is a wallet. Like, Mm. so your, your wallet does this versus this. Like that means nothing to 99% of the people out there. But when they see your face and hear your story and all the things that you've gone through in order to get to where you're at to work for yourself, that's when they'll connect with you and be a lifetime supporter and a customer because they're like, I love what you're doing. I love where you've come from. I connect with you and I want to support you and your business. I go into a a local cafe here in town and every time I go in there, the guy that owns the place breaks out one of my spinners and says, (laughs) it doesn't leave my pocket. You know? (laughs) Um, so, um, yeah, you're probably right. The, the the connection is a lot. You are right. (laughs) Not probably. Um, the connection is super important for everybody. They really, that matters to them. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for taking this time. Cause, uh, in this crazy time, obviously we have more time than usual, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, all time is valuable. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, have me here in, in your house and showing me your shop and everything this week. And absolutely. I definitely want to come back. <laughs> oh, anytime it's, um, it always rains. So bring your umbrella. <laughs> um, I'll make sure I have the beer. Awesome. Thanks brother. Definitely. Thanks for tuning in today. 
If you'd like to learn more about Hog Doggins and the incredible products that they produce, head on over to hogdoggins.com. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, as well as gain access to many other perks, head on over to allamericanmaker.us slash members to join today. Not only will you gain access to full-length video interviews, but you'll receive an automatic 25% off many of our AAM products. Thanks again, and I hope you tune in next time.